Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the First Year Out Podcast, the number one bi-coastal podcast in the world, where we sit back and we talk entrepreneurship, monetizing your passion, and ultimately being a creative in business. I'm your host out here in San Diego, California, Dom Witherspoon, and today I have someone very special, very special joining us today. Uh, a creator. I, I don't know if you if you consider yourself a YouTuber these days, but I've seen that you're pretty active over there. Uh, thank you, thank you for joining us. B Wash Media, well, Brandon Washington of B Wash Media. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on the on the podcast. I appreciate it. Um, I don't really care about titles, so if you want to call me a YouTuber, <laughs> you can. You can call me a filmmaker, Respect. photographer. It, it don't really matter. People people going to call you what they want to call you. So I think it's more about what you do. <laughs> all right. Well, well, I guess we might as well dive straight into that. Um, can you give us all a little information on, on your creative background and on you as a whole? Uh, yeah. So I guess uh, I started out as a, uh, a filmmaker or a videographer. Uh, again, titles don't matter. But I started off shooting video and... Uh, been doing it for probably about 10, almost 11 years now. Um, started in the video world, loved that. Um, and then eventually kind of dabbled into the photography side of things. Uh, and then eventually uh, somehow accidentally figured out that I could actually make money uh, operating a camera. <laughs> Didn't even know people did that when I first picked it up. Uh, but it's been awesome kind of having the uh the ability to make some money using a camera and like you said like monetizing the passion and so once i figured out there was a way to make money that became like a big push for me like how can i monetize this how can i make a living doing this how can i support my family doing this um which for me was a big thing because uh i'm married and got two kids so um making sure that i can do what i love but also take care of my family's huge so and YouTube and client work and all of that is just all just different pieces to the same puzzle. So respect, respect. If we may take it, take it back just a little bit. And you say like you started off doing camera work and yeah. what, what kind of pushed you into that? Like when you initially started creating videos? Um, so <laughs> that's funny. I don't really ever tell anybody. Um, <laughs> I, so, so I initially picked up a camera because before I got into like camera stuff, I was uh, I was a dancer. And so I used to do like break dancing and like competitions and we go do battles, you know, all that fun stuff. Okay. And um, I wanted to get some video footage of me and my friends dancing back then. And nobody could operate a camera and I couldn't get anybody to shoot any good video of us. And so... I just started learning the craft myself and started going on YouTube and trying to learn what I could in order to make better videos of us. And then eventually I realized I preferred being behind the camera yeah. than in front of the camera. Um, so I just started learning the craft of video even more. And that's really when I fell in love with the whole thing. I get that for real. It's like, um, cause when I first started, start when I first started making videos, it was because my brothers, they were making music. And when they started making music, I used a desktop computer and I record their audio. You know, along with audio, you need video and you need graphics. You need all these different things. Right. So I completely understand, you know, learning something out of necessity or, you know, being being creative in that way or figuring out how, how to make things work for you to accomplish whatever it is that you set for yourself. 
Exactly. So, so yeah. Yeah, I get it. You went from 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 being so were, were, were some of the first videos you shot um just of dancers and like of people that you knew? Yeah. Um so yeah, the very first videos I ever did were were dance videos. I did that for probably like a good 2 years um mm-hmm. before I even tried to dabble into anything different. Um definitely wasn't making any money off of uh dance videos. <laughs> Right. Uh, and this, I was uploading them to YouTube back in the day. I still think there's a couple of videos out there on like a hidden channel somewhere. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of how I started, just making dance videos of myself and of my friends. And you know, when we would go and do performances, I would you know have somebody in the audience hold the camera. I didn't know anything okay. about settings. I didn't know anything about camera movements or nothing like that. It was pretty much just like capture what's happening content creation at its finest yeah <laughs> yeah so um all right so how how long how long did it take you to actually figure out all right i mean because i know you mentioned that you it was kind of like initially i mean from from what you just told me but i really want to know like how long and what changed in your mind when you realized all right i'm not dancing anymore i'm going to use these videos like i, I love doing this and i'm going to use this to actually make money like what was the shift that happened in order for you to figure out I can monetize this for real? So the shift, um, so I had, man, I'm trying to think. So uh, me and my wife were married maybe about a year. So this is about seven years ago or something like that. We had just had our first son and um, we actually wanted to go on vacation. Um, and it was like 4th of July or Memorial Day or one of those kind of holidays. And uh, we wanted to go stay at a beach house. But being freshly married and having a new baby, um, we ain't have any money for a beach house. Right. So I like I don't know where this idea really came from, but I just kind of like I started just emailing like a bunch of random people on this website called HomeAway, which was kind of like Airbnb today, but back then Airbnb didn't exist, so this was called HomeAway. And I just started emailing a bunch of them and like seeing like, hey, would you be willing to trade? Uh, let me come stay at your beach house for the weekend. And in exchange, I'll make like a video of your beach house. Okay. And I was like, you know, I was just kind of like just putting it out there. Like I was pretty much just trying to do anything I could to kind of like make this vacation happen because right, um, right, right. Didn't, ha- didn't have the cash for it. Right. Um, and so I sent out like these like messages and I probably sent out like at least 20 to 30 plus messages. And this one lady hit me back and she was like, um, I would love to have some videos taken of my property. I have four of them. Can you and your family stay out there for the week? And like, sure enough, I was like, heck yeah, we can. Let me put in that week notice. (laughs) Like at work, like I took off time. Um, and I went down there and I shot those four videos, uh, these four different properties. And then like literally the next maybe week after that, I got back, I was excited. I edited them. I put them up on my Facebook page and I like, I was just like, again, not really knowing what the value there was. I just put them out on Facebook and was like, Hey, if anybody knows anyone who needs video of their rental property, let me know. And I got a hold of somebody who was like, I know realtors that would love this and they would love to have their houses shown this way. And I was like, dope, like, let's do it. And then, you know, they offered me $300 and I was like, whoa, 
I can make money <laughs> shooting houses. And then like, cause like when I went into it, I was just thinking like, you know, like, um, like getaway homes. I didn't think about all of the real estate houses that actually were out there, you know, that you can make money off of. So um, that kind of took me down this whole role of doing, you know, listings and working with real estate agents. And then real estate agents asking me, can I do like, you know, brand like testimonials for them and, you know, interview style videos for them. And just like, lo and behold, I fell into this whole commercial and corporate world of shooting videos, but it literally all just came because I was trying to go on vacation. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I was just trying to hustle a vacation out of it. And, you know, that was maybe eight years You ended years up building ago. a lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, a lot of it has come off of that. A lot of, uh, a lot of the bones of, you know, and a lot of the structure of what I do has come off of just that little, those little emails I sent out looking for a free vacation. That is amazing. So you don't even have formal training or anything like that. You just you just went out there and hustled and, and got it. Yeah, no. Um, so I got my associate's degree, um, but I have no like formal like film school training, um, no certificates or anything like that. Uh, for me, I'm I'm all YouTube based and trial and error, and just I have a passion for it. So I get out and shoot for fun a lot, just to kind of learn new things. Um, but yeah, no, no formal training. I didn't really even have mentors kind of growing up in this whole game. Um, because it was all still very new when I was first starting out and it was extremely expensive. I mean, it's, it costs a lot now, but it was even more expensive back then. Um, so it wasn't very easy to get into it and find someone who was already doing it, let alone someone willing to teach. So let me ask you this then, since you started that out because you wanted to go on this vacation, because you, you wanted to enjoy that time. And and now and now that you've established yourself a bit, what are some of the some of the projects that you take on just now just just for just out of passion? It's not something that's that's just for your company. Uh for me right now, I mean, as far as passion projects go, YouTube is my number one passion project. Um I like helping creators. Um, I enjoy the flexibility that YouTube gives me to kind of put out what I want, when I want. I mean, granted, yes, there is the whole, you know, feed the algorithm beast or whatever. But um, for the most part, I like the fact that, you know, if I want to take a break off of YouTube, I can. And but if I want to go, you know, hard on it, I, I can as well. So it gives me, you know, my own little flexibility and I can make my channel what I want it to be. You know, not too long ago, um, my channel was a lot about gear and I was doing like tons and tons of gear reviews and I kind of got tired of it. And I was like, you know, I really want to put out some content that can help people grow their own businesses. And so yes. I switched up and started, you know, putting out more business focused content and, you know, only on YouTube do I think that that's something I could do. You know, if I decided to just switch up my videos for my clients and just randomly start doing different things, uh, you know, the clients may or may not like that. But with YouTube being my own personal thing, I can kind of just do what I want with it. So that's, that's kind of right. why it's like my favorite, you know, passion right now. I mean, eventually I plan on getting into other stuff like, you know, more long form documentaries or feature mm -hmm. films or you know theatrical stuff um but right now youtube has been like that number one kind of creative release slash passion project that i have 
what I want to what I want to ask you now is like, do you feel do you feel like it, it's beneficial to kind of separate yourself from yourself or to kind of keep everything together as a collective? As far uh, as branding. So, I mean, I think branding is important. Um, I think it just really I mean, it's tough. I feel like it just really depends on like what your goals are and like and what you're trying to do. So like, like I have like certain branding and certain videos and like a whole secondary like nature of my business that goes out towards real estate agents um, because the audience there are real estate agents, right? Um, but then the stuff I do on my YouTube and the stuff I do on my Instagram are more creative driven um, because I'm more so my audience are creators, filmmakers, photographers, that kind of thing. And so I feel like it really just depends on like who your audience is um, a lot of people ask me like, you know, like, oh, well, what should you name your creative business or, you know, or I don't think that stuff really matters. I think what really matters is what do you do? Are you, you know, are you a filmmaker? Do you create great videos? Do you create, you know, awesome films? Are you a photographer? Do you create awesome photos? Because no matter like what your name is or what fancy colors or logos you have, you know, if you make amazing stuff or you deliver amazing value, people will remember you for that. They're not going to remember, you know, your name or your logo. Or if you're really, really good, then they will make it a conscious effort to remember whatever your name is or whatever your logo is. Um, I mean, one thing I, I always look at is like you think about like Nike, right? And Nike's logo is just like it's the swoosh. But it's really just a check mark. <laughs> check marks right. don't mean anything. Like I could go outside and draw a check mark on the concrete. It don't mean anything. Um, but people kind of got behind like what Nike was doing and what Nike does, and they make you know great shoes and awesome athletic apparel, and they're you know their staple that they have. And so it's more about what they do that makes their brand worth anything. It's not the branding itself. I mean, that's obviously my opinion, but. Um, yeah. So I've never really thought about it too much on that front. I always just try to focus on like, what am I doing? Am I currently putting out great content for other right. people? Then that is my brand. My brand is putting out awesome content. It doesn't truly, truly matter, you know, what, how I choose to package that. If what's inside isn't worth it, people will unwrap the packaging and then they'll leave it on the ground. So, <laughs> okay. Okay. So focus on, focus on quality focus on content and know who your demographics is. Yeah. I mean, like you got to know who you're talking to. Um, Cause if you know who you're talking to, it's going to help you to know like what you need to put out and what people are looking for. You know uh, if you say like, you know, if let's say my audience was uh, beginner photographers, um, well, beginner photographers probably wouldn't care that much about video stuff or they don't maybe need to know like what an LLC is and things like that. Um, well, YouTube allows me to know, allows me to choose what I want my audience to be and then I can create the content for them. Um, but you kind of have to like, you kind of have to like know who your audience is, no matter what business you're in, you kind of have to know what your audience is and then try to cater to that audience if you want to be successful. If you just want to put out whatever you want to put out, whenever you want to put it out, then you have to understand that, you know, well, then I may not get the type of response I think I'm going to get. Um, but there's always a trade off. And no matter what you do, there's always a trade off. And um, you utilize 
playlist, like specifically on YouTube, in order to separate the different contents from like gear versus your business, uh, your business Mondays and, and things like that, in order to keep keep it kind of separate but all together. Yeah, I mean, I use playlists, um, and then I. So whenever I put out like a Business Monday video, uh, at the end of the video, it'll have like, you know, a recommended video for them. And then I'll have the Business Monday playlist. Um, I try to keep my content in a playlist so that way people who show up and watch one form of content and really like it can watch all of my other content that's very similar to that. Um, because as I mentioned, like, you know, sometimes I do gear reviews, sometimes I do business content, and then sometimes I do tutorials or how to's. And so by breaking those up into different playlists, um, you know, it's really helpful for that person and it makes it easier for their viewing journey. But I also know that like when it comes to YouTube alone, like YouTube is really smart. Like YouTube knows what you want to watch before you realize that you want to watch it. (laughs) Um, That is true. So, and it's scary sometimes. So I honestly, like, I believe that I'm just going to keep putting out the content that you know that I enjoy putting out and that I like putting out and I'm just going to trust YouTube to find the audience that best supports it and then YouTube can kind of put it out to who they need to put it out to. I don't have to really, you know, over police that too much. I kind of I kind of want to take it back just a little bit. And um yeah. we talked about how how you fell into real estate videos. You fell into it's not something that you was actively seeking to actually go all in on. Mm-hmm. What 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 has been some some of the other projects outside of real estate? Like your first clients outside of the real estate, outside of um, video and homes and doing testimonials and stuff for that specific niche. What has been some of the things like some of the first clients that you worked on after that that you found afterwards when you started to expand a bit? So uh, so yeah, so to kind of answer that question, but also kind of give another little nugget. So. Um, one, one thing that I found in the real estate world, um, probably my first year of like really going hard on real estate was that like, um, around like this time of year, like November, December, January, real estate dies. Right. And so (laughs) when real estate dies, you don't have any work, which means you ain't making any money. Um, so I quickly found that I needed to get into other niches, other areas and focus my business on those things. Uh, and so some of the stuff that I decided to get into was more like commercial business operated type videos. Um, so doing interviews, but not in the real estate market, but in other areas, whether that was clothing or if that was in oil and gas or if that was, you know, I mean, you name the industry, I probably have jumped into it. Um, because for me, like I don't, I'm never married to anything you know, other than my wife, right? So, um, <laughs> so I'm not married to any any one industry. I'm not married to any one project because I understand that like life and the industry and everything else is constantly changing, and there's highs and lows. And if you're too caught into one area and you're unwilling to change or move or adapt, you're gonna get left behind. Yeah. So I've always tried to keep it to a point where, you know. If somebody calls me up and they're in the oil and gas industry and I don't know anything about oil and gas, but they need a video and, you know, it, the project sounds good, the budget is right, and it's a client that I feel like I can make an awesome video for, then I'm willing to try it out just to right. see how, how it will work and if I'll like it. Um, and that has been really good because every every industry that I jump into, I find that their workflow is totally different. 
You know, most mm-hmm. commercial clients, they are ramping up their videos and projects at the end of the year so that way they can push them at the beginning of the following year. Well, that right. works out really well when I'm doing real estate because when real estate dies, the commercial stuff picks up. Mm. Um, or like I found a couple of years ago, I started shooting a lot of like concerts and music festivals and things like that. And they all happen during the summer. Well, okay. during the summer, you know, a lot of commercial clients, you know, a lot of my business owner type clients, they all get really busy at the beginning of the summer because they're going on vacation because their kids are out. You know, they have, you know, whatever they have going on during the summer and it just kind of slows down during that time period. At least it did for me. And so by shooting music festivals and concerts, that allowed me to elapse that time when those things slowed down. But real estate kind of picks up during the summer, too. So I was able to still stay busy. And so by kind of structuring my clients and the type of industries that I go into, that when one when one is down, the other one is high. It just allowed me to be more you know, successful and not have to worry about, you know, when business slows down, I can kind of just jump into another industry and keep it going. And the other kind of little just cherry on the top of that for me has always been YouTube. If I ever feel like, you know, business isn't going well or, or, you know, maybe it's moving kind of slow, or maybe I just want to make some extra money, I can like dive in twice as hard on YouTube. And then obviously I can use YouTube as another way to monetize my business. And so for me, that's been kind of the, the, the roadmap for how I strategically like jump into different sectors. Um, and then YouTube has kind of always been that like little underground, that little safety net that if I, if I'm feeling burned out anywhere else, or if I want to make some extra cash, or if an industry is moving kind of slow, I can just jump into YouTube and kind of ride that wave with it. I, I thank you for that for real, because I was over here, I was writing, writing it down. I'm taking notes personally. So, so really, thank you, thank you for that, and um, you know, for for the value that you are providing, and that's that's kind of the point of this podcast here. So we, so with that, we're able to take take little pieces of information from each episode to kind of craft it to what we want to do with our business. So once again, thank you, thank you for that. Um, no problem. How how are you going about finding clients these days? Uh, so most of my clients right now are word of mouth, or they come from, um. Uh, agencies here in the Houston area. So I have a couple agencies that I work with and they get companies that come to them looking for marketing material, um, but they don't specifically do video. And so then they will basically just subcontract the video work out to me. Um, So that's one big way that I get clients. Uh, The other way, obviously, is word of mouth. You know, whenever you shoot for a client, I always ask that client, like, hey, do you have anybody who you know who could possibly need video work? You know, can you think of three clients that you would want to refer to me? Stuff like that uh, is ways that I get clients. And then the other big one is like, you know, if if your videos are helping your clients be more successful, um, then by default or, you know, because it just makes sense, they should want to hire you to make more videos. Um, Because if the videos are working, then they should need more videos. And that's always been the mindset for me. It's like, you know, I make sure that the videos that I create for my clients are actually helping them to achieve whatever goal that they are trying to reach. And then from there, I, by showing them that, hey, your video solved your goal or, you know, it helped you achieve that goal. What's your next goal? Let's make another video to help you achieve that next goal. 
And just working with my clients in that aspect has always been really beneficial and helpful and it's helped them out, which ultimately helps me out because they keep hiring me to do more videos. So <laughs> I know that's right. All right. So I have a, I have a question for you about that. Um, well, first, my first question is, how are you how are you building these relationships with these different marketing agencies? Is it is it like a, a, a relationship you have with like directors of like directors of marketing or or did you reach out to them? Is it is it a LinkedIn thing? Uh, is it someone who who referred you to them? I I wish I could tell you that there was a way I reached out, but I didn't. Um, so <laughs> they actually in both situations they reached out to me. Um, one was they saw a project that I did for a past client, um, who actually happened to be one of their clients, and mm. they were they really liked the video and they liked the quality of it. Uh, and so they reached out to me. I went into their office, met with them. We had a really great meeting. And then from there, we basically decided to partner up together. Um, so okay. that was how I got one of them. And then the other one actually found me on Instagram of all crazy places. Um, <laughs> and they, their one of their project managers was just, you know, searching through Instagram, came across my work, saw it, really liked it, contacted me. Um, and then again, they had me come into the office, meet with them, kind of get a chance to know them, did that whole deal. They had kind of an emergency project um, that they needed to get done and it had a, had a had a decent budget, but it wasn't like amazing, but right. it was a decent budget and the project had like a really quick turnaround and they were kind of like in a bind. And so um, basically I got a chance to come in and kind of be the the, the savior of the project and Save you know the for day. that they were really you know appreciative and they were you know they wanted to work with me again after that and so that's kind of been the ongoing uh those are the two that I have that are ongoing I have a couple other you know clients out there who will find you know companies that need work and then they'll send them my way and I do all the negotiating and all that stuff and so those work but you know for me the the biggest ones have have been just having really good work and putting really good work out there and then having people discover that and, you know, wanting to do more work with me because they enjoy the process uh, from pre-production to production to post-production. And then obviously the final video, I just try to make the entire experience as, you know, as easy and as great as I possibly can. So that way the client like actually enjoys it. And then they mm -hmm. run away feeling really good about the project because, uh, you know, if you can make somebody feel good, they'll remember that forever. They may not remember yep, yep. the video or they may not remember what was said or the quality or what camera you use, but they'll always remember how you made them feel about the project. And so if you can make them feel good about it, then they'll remember you and they'll want to keep working with you. Yes, yes. I think um, what we, we should also take away from what I want to kind of touch down on right now is that you, you said that this, this marketing company only had a decent budget. So... I just I just want to double down on that because you said they had a decent budget like that's the word you used to describe it and then on top of that they was in a bit of a crunch and yeah. and because you know because money is not the only type of value that you can receive you went on it and did the project anyway and that and that allowed for you to build this long term relationship because you wasn't you wasn't being money hungry and because you were able to provide value and help them out in that situation and right. so. I think that I think it's worth noting, like, because you said you set the story, but I, I really just wanted to kind of point that out 
that money was not the driving factor for you and you were able to build a long-term relationship because money wasn't the only thing that you were after in that situation? Well, I mean, I'll tell you that, like, I, I mean, I tell most creators, like, a lot of people will reach out to me and they'll be like, I hate my job, I want to do film full-time, blah, blah, blah. And I'll just tell them, like, you know, like, that's that's a great driving factor. But if money is tight, like, being a filmmaker and having money be an issue is tough. Like, that's probably the hardest <laughs> thing ever. Like, being a starving artist sucks. And I know it because yeah, I've been there. there. Yeah. So, um, so I tell We're most trying to people. End that. I don't think I don't think there should be any starving artists, but I get it. I, I mean, I get, you know, you people have their lives and you go through it. And like I said, I've been there. But what I tell most people is like, if you, if a project, like if you, if you have to always think about money going into every single project you do, you're never going to be fully sustained. Like you're always going to be worrying about charging too much or getting taken advantage of, or, you know, just always letting money dictate your creativity and not allowing, you know, your creativity to dictate the creativity and you'll be blinded to those situations, you know, like this, this situation, as you mentioned, like, yeah, the, the budget was decent. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what I would have normally charged for a project like this, especially cause there was like travel and some other stuff involved. Um, but I could see the bigger picture. Like I knew the agency and after doing some research on the agency, I saw the type of clients they had and I was like, Hey, you know, like let's, Let's help them out in this regard and let's build that relationship because, you know, obviously for most of us, like getting clients is probably one of the hardest things that we have to do. So if I can build a relationship with someone that can bring me clients going forward, like that's a win no matter what, because now I can focus on other areas of my business and let them help me with this one part, um, which is a big part of my business and they already have clients. And so it has been it's been an awesome relationship and I, I love this company that I've been working with and I continue and I plan on continuing to work with them going into 2020. I actually had a meeting with them earlier today. Uh, and again, like we just I went and had breakfast with one of their people and it was just to kind of continue that relationship and, you know, just talk about, you know, what the plans are for 2020 and ongoing projects and just kind of massaging that relationship because you never know, like this whole game is all relationships like who you know and how <laughs> you take care of each other um yes that way everybody can grow together yes yes i couldn't have said it better myself um i have a i have another question for you so yep. when you develop when you develop like say videos for whoever your clients do you also lay out with that like a plan of action on how to upload and how to promote and, and things like that uh, it depends on how much they have. <laughs> um, so that's all part of budgeting for me. So okay. as far as I'm concerned, like there are, um, there are five stages to, you know, to your video processing with someone. Um, there's the inquiry process where they're reaching out to you and they're trying to like discover if they actually want to go with you or not. Um, for me, that part is free. Like people want to know, they want to have that conversation with you on the phone you know, like, hey, let's talk, let's figure out, you know, should we do this project together? I never charge anybody for that. Um, and then you have pre-production, which is step two. Um, then you have production, which is step three. 
post-production, which is step four, and then implementation, which is step five, right? Right. And so um, the entire five-part process, I believe that if you do all five steps, you should get paid for the last four. Um, But if a client's budget isn't right or they don't have enough, then they may have to take on some of those additional processes. So if the budget means that they can't afford implementation, which is typically the one that, you know, most clients, if they want to save, you know, some money on a project, I'll tell them like, hey, no problem. You're going to have to take on, you know, that final step, which is implementation. That's when they decide, you know, okay, we're going to upload this to Facebook ourselves. We're going to upload this to YouTube ourselves or to Instagram ourselves. And sometimes that like, sometimes they have somebody on hand that can do that. And I don't, you know, for me, it doesn't matter. Like, I've moved on from the project after that point. <laughs> but um, but if they if they don't have someone, like I've seen it also where, you know, they uploaded it to Instagram and didn't really know how to do it right. And so they cut off part of the framing or it has a weird thumbnail because they didn't know what to do. Um, right, right. I've seen it like, with the black thumbnails. Yeah, exactly. They hit it with the black thumbnail or... You know, or they don't tell you they're going to go to Instagram. And so it's a 16 by nine video. So it's real small. Uh, the text is real small. So like, so it's like little things like that. Um, you know, I let them decide uh, if now if a client has the budget and they are ready for, you know, all four processes um, or ready for us to do all four processes, then, you know, I can handle doing that for the client. But really, like, that's how I've, I've said this before, like, I never negotiate price, I negotiate work. Right. And so once I broke my business down into those five steps, um, like if somebody reaches out and they say like, hey, I have a video project, I want to talk to you about it, I can tell them like, cool, let's have a 30 minute free consultation, where I'll talk to them on the phone for 30 minutes for free. That's step one. And that's already value because I'm, you know, we're probably going to talk about their project, what they want to do, how to implement, all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're already so bleeding into to the next step. Right. And so then it's like, all right, cool. If you want to do this, let's go ahead. Let's get the deposit taken care of. And we can jump into step two, which is pre-production, where we work on the script. We work on location scouting. Um, we work on other areas. Now, sometimes clients have a budget that's not great at all. And they may have to take over all of pre-production. So this means you need to tell me when you want to shoot and then I'm showing up on the day of shooting and you need to have all of pre-production done. And we're Mm. not doing any pre-production. And for a client, sometimes they realize based on the budget that you quote that they may say like, oh, wait, I would rather pay that extra, you know, $2,000 for you to handle all of pre-production Yeah. Then, you know, then save that money and have to allocate our own time and energy and gas and, you know, to go and do it. So I, I, I that's kind of how I've allowed my clients to kind of break it up for themselves. Um, and obviously every job is bid totally different because every project is totally different. But just by being able to break it up in those five easy steps, that's something that I feel like every client can kind of get somewhat of a grasp on. And so if they want to save money somewhere, I can tell them like, you know, they can't save money on production. Like they can't save money on post-production because they can't do those things themselves. But some clients can actually handle pre-production themselves and some clients can actually handle implementation on their own. So I just let them, you know, decide what parts they want to take on themselves and, if they want to pay for it, then we'll take on the others. 
I mean, a lot of time we find out that it's just really about convenience. It's like I offer small business owners podcast production and I offer to come and show up with my mobile studio to their, to their place of business and I'll record you. And we could we could do this a, a couple times a month or we could just knock it all out in one day out the month and just spread up, spread out the uploads. And you don't even have to leave your place of business. It's like it's really it's really convenient what you're selling at the end of the day because you already took all this time to learn everything. And now right. it's a matter of whether this small business owner is willing to to take that time out to learn the things that you done did already. You know, the, for the, for the credentials that you already have, for the experience that you've already gained. And ultimately, exactly. you'll find like they, I'm willing to pay you for your experiences because I don't have the time to do it. Yeah, I don't have and the that's, time to learn I mean, video editing or whatever. A lot of times that's what they'll they'll pay for. I mean, if they could make their own videos, they would pay for it. They would just make it themselves, but they can't. They don't have the gear, the know-how, the time, the energy to put into it. So, I mean, if they're willing to pay you to do it, then charge them and go out there and do it. That's what I say. Yep. Um, also, like one of the last topics I want to get into is um, pricing. And I know like I've read, I've read, I've come across a few creatives who have like a set minimum. So you say, um, I'm not coming outside for less than $2,000, right? right? I don't care how big or how small the project is. I'm not coming out for less than that. And I know I've been I've been reading. Also, on the other hand, it's I know like you offer or you do like value-based pricing. So I'm not, it's not, it's not like you're, you're not thinking about the, the, the camera op who charged $500 day rates. That's not, that's not something that you're really considering and factored into the budget. But ultimately, it's like, how much value can this video provide for this company? How yeah. much money are they going to be able to accumulate off of this video? And I, I want to know, like, can you dive into that a bit for the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I believe that, like, I mean, I still have to take into consideration, like, people's day rates. So when I go do a shoot, um, I bring out, like, a DP I bring out somebody to shoot behind the scenes. I may bring out a grip. I may bring out, you know, uh, a script supervisor or a producer, um, depending on the size of the project. Like, there's different roles that I could bring out. And I do have to take into consideration all those people's different day rates and what they're going to charge me. And I got to factor all that into the budget. But um, I do, I, I believe that, like, every client has a different value proposition for the video. Right. And because there's a different value proposition for every video, like what you can charge and what you should charge should be different. If you have a client who's planning on making $15 million off of your video, but you are going to go in there and you're going to charge them the normal thousand dollars that you've been charging for a video. When they go make that $15 million off your video, are you going to feel satisfied that you did a good job for $1,000? And a lot of times, it's not really the case. A lot of times, what ends up happening is if they're planning on making $15 million off that video, they need a lot better than just a $1,000 video. You might think that a $1,000 video is good enough, but the truth is, is if they're trying to get insane value from that video... You need to put more energy, more time, more people, more money behind the overall video. So for a $15 million, you know, if they're trying to make $15 million off of that video, then you probably want to spend more time in pre-production. That means you have to charge them more, but it's worth it. Because the only way you're actually going to allow them to achieve that goal is if you have clear understandings of what that goal is. And then you make sure that you put the time and energy that it needs in order to achieve that goal. 
you know, not every single video is the same. Even though the techniques might feel the exact same, it may feel like, okay, we're doing a off-camera interview with a three-point lighting setup. We're going to use a lavalier mic and we're going to find a good location. Like, But at the end of the day, what that person's goal is for the video is totally different. And so you have to treat every video differently. Um, that's why you got to have that conversation. Right. And that's where, you know, I always say I do the the consultation for free. A lot of that consultation, I mean, they'll ask me questions about like gear and stuff like that. And for me, like that kind of stuff, like I love gear, but I hate talking about it with clients because most of the time they don't really understand. They just have yeah, heard they don't know some stuff. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say that, but I'll say I'll say that, you know, like um, it's very rare that you find one that has a full understanding. But if you are more so focused on like what their goals are and what they're trying to achieve by accomplishing this video, then you can actually like deliver a pitch back to them that doesn't just speak to what you can do, but it's more so about what the video is going to do and how the video is going to help them to achieve their goal. And if they have high goals, they should be willing to pay high prices um, because a lot of times that's just what it takes. Now, I've done videos that are 30 seconds and I've charged $10,000 for them. And then I've done videos that are, you know, let's say it's maybe three to five minutes long and we've charged a couple, you know, maybe like two to $3,000 for it. And from a client standpoint, they may not truly understand like, well, that video was shorter, it should have cost less, but a lot of times more goes into it and there's more planning and we may shoot like three different versions of the same video trying to find the right one that's gonna help them to actually achieve their goal. So it's things like that where, you know, people who, who don't do pricing very well. And I, and I wish there was like a clear cut, like if the video is like this, you should charge this much. Um, I wish there was a clear cut way to kind of give that answer, but there's really not. I mean, it really just comes down to case by case, what you feel comfortable with. But I will say that most videographers and filmmakers that I have met, they almost all undercharge. And it's not because, it's not because they don't, understand the value of their video i think a lot of it is just because they're afraid of losing the client and um and i totally understand where that fear comes from but i will say that as a filmmaker every time you undercharge to win a client you really have already lost that client because you'll never be able to get that client to get up to the price where you want to actually charge them so once you undercharge you've you've already lost them and yeah, you may win a couple hundred dollars off of them for this one gig, but you'll never be able to truly charge them what they should have been charged. But not only have you lost them, but you've lost them to the game because now they're going to think that every filmmaker should be charging these low rates. And I think it's, you know, that's probably one of the hardest things in our industry right now is there's a lot of people undercharging. And so for that reason, you know, a lot of people think that there's like this massive gap in price between a couple hundred dollar video and a couple thousand dollar videos. Um, and realistically today with the, you know, with the growth of social media and YouTube and Instagram, like filmmakers should be bankrolling with the amount of content that needs to be put out there. Yes. But if everybody <laughs> keeps, you know, if everybody keeps 
charging these Walmart prices, ain't nobody going to be able to eat. So that's just my two cents on that topic. Yes, I agree with you. That was That's one of the reasons for this podcast, honestly, because, I mean, yeah, because, you know, as creatives, we don't know how to charge because, like, most, most of the time we grow up just creating because we love it. And we, we kind of never expect to, to make a living off of it. So I, I think one thing is that we don't know how to charge. I think another thing is, like how you said, like, once we figure out a number, we're afraid to put it out there. Because the clients don't really understand sometimes what all goes into it. And and so, like, especially, like, if you just start out, most likely you're one you're a one-person band. That means you're doing all the pre-production. That means you're doing all the sales. You're doing all the consultation. You're doing all the uh, produ- production. You're doing you're right. doing all the post production. You're doing all, all of this yourselves, and we don't really count account for all the different roles that we're playing exactly. because it's only one person. But you're still doing all of the editing. You're still doing all the production. You're still gathering the crew and making sure all the gear is there. Like you're still doing all these different roles, but because you're standing alone, or because we're standing alone, we we don't really charge for each thing individually. When really we're, we're really playing all of those roles ourselves. And I think with the podcast and what you're doing on YouTube, I think I think we can kind of use that to kind of uh, bridge whatever gaps that that does that do exist in this industry. I think the conversation is really what's going to do it. And and like how you just said, like every there's no there's no one solution for everything. There's no cookie cutter solution. But I do feel like with these conversations that we're having, that we'll be able to kind of minimize the gap between someone who's charging two hundred dollars for a video. For, for a video that should cost five thousand dollars because they're afraid and i think because because like there's no one size fit all what we need to be talking about are are the different criteria so we say it's the value proposition now what what do people need to look at when they're considering their their, their pricing for this you know what i mean like what's what's the long-term value of this video for this company as opposed to i just want to make a, a few hundred bucks right quick to put in my pocket hurting the game for everybody else and i think like with what we're doing we'll be able to kind of kind of set a market rate for us in whatever location we're at and so and so somebody can't run to you and they don't like your prices and now they run it to me expecting a different price you know what i mean and so yeah. thank you again for joining me on this podcast for real no problem thank you for having me i think one episode at a time one video at a time one conversation at a time we're going to be able to set some market rates and, you know, to stop screwing each other over at the end of the day. <laughs> for real. So um, one last question. One last question. What does it mean for you to be a creative in business? What does it mean for me to be a creative in business? Uh, man, that's a, that's a good question. I guess... I mean, I guess for me, it's just as long as I'm doing what I love and I'm making a living at it, like I'm good. Like that, I don't necessarily need to be a millionaire. Um, be nice, but I don't have to be a millionaire. Um, as long as I make enough to take care of my family, you know, and keep doing what I'm doing, like and enjoying what I'm doing. More importantly, as long as I'm doing that, I'm good. I'm good. I don't. I just. I don't want to be stressed. Uh, I just want to love it. And right now I love filmmaking. And I mean, I've been doing that for 10 years. And before that, I danced and I danced for 10 years. So I don't know. It could completely change. I could do something else. 
But as long as whatever I'm doing, I'm enjoying it and I'm making a living at it, um, then I'll, I think I'll be good no matter what that is. Respect. Respect. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the First Year Out podcast. Thank you again, Brandon of Be Wash Media, for joining us today. Uh, if you made it this far in the episode, make sure you drop a comment below and let us know what you took from this. Be let, 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 let us know. Let, let the world know where they can find you, Brandon. Uh, you can find me on YouTube uh, underneath Brandon Washington or I'm sure if you type in B-Wash Media, I'll pop up. And then I'm B-Wash Media everywhere else on social. Uh, B as in Brandon Wash, W-A-S-H, Washington, because uh, Washington's too long to type in anywhere. <laughs> uh, so that's why I go by B-Wash with B-Wash Media everywhere, bwashmedia.com if you want to check out some of my official client-facing work. But uh, But yeah, that's it. Thank you again. The First Year Out Podcast, and we out.